Oh, yo, what's up, Jordan? I ain't seen you in a minute. What's good? <sighs> you know, man, winter winter semester, get ready to right? end. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're so close to being out of here. I'm just trying to keep my head down, That's do right. these classes, do these tests, go back home. Make me crazy. You know, yo, yeah. you know what's, what else is making me crazy, though? I could take one guess. You, I knew you already knew. Is it Mark? It's Mark. Oh, my God. Ugh. I don't know how nobody else sees it. I've tried to tell everybody on campus that this is a white, a white man. Man, <laughs> what is going on? It is so obvious. It, what is, like what is everybody the doing? Magician, but everybody is eating it up. This is insane. I saw him. I saw him yesterday, just walking around campus, doing that fucking. He looked like he was trying to do. The George Jefferson walk for whatever reason. No, no, he didn't. Saw me, came up to me, made eye contact with me, tried to dap me up, did it wrong, Ew. and then just walked off. Hey. Like it is the crazy. Cl- that clammy ass dap, probably your hand slipped right off and boom. It was like trying to shake hands with an octopus. You know what I mean? Like my man was just like, yo, absurd. Yo. yo. This should have been the dead giveaway. Guess what? I saw him the other day in the cafeteria. This should have been the okay. dead giveaway right here. Were you talking to Sarah again? Of course he was talking to Sarah. He was standing mm-hmm. right next to her. I, mm-hmm. She blind as a bat. I think she actually might be blind. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. But either way, he's in the line. It was rib day. You know they only do ribs one time a year. Hell yeah. For us, me and you, the other two black people on campus. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. So it's rib day. You know what my man Mark did? Don't he tell pa- me. He passed up them ribs from meat- meatloaf. He ate the meatloaf. Meatloaf? Did he put ketchup on the meatloaf? You know damn well he did. Smothered God, that. Damn man. it. Wash it down with a diet iced tea. Diet ice? They make diet iced tea? I didn't know they made diet iced tea, but oh, marked out it on special, I guess. Oh man, this is this is this is bringing something back. I. Every time I see him, I swear I'm just hallucinating. Like I don't want to think that's what I'm looking at. But I swear, I was I was leaving the gym yesterday. I peeked in. Guess who was shooting around in a Larry Bird jersey? No, that was Mark. It's I know we're in Boston, bro. But, but come like, on, you're supposed to be from L.A. What is happening? It, isn't he from L.A.? Yeah, he's from L.A. Yes. Allegedly. Lies. Lies. <sighs> What are we going to do about this? I don't know. I don't think I could take another day of this. This, I, this is it's making me ill, yo. He he can't get away with this looking like God didn't finish Lionel Richie. Oh, my God. Every time he looks like Al Jolson tried to put on blackface, but with Nesquik. Yo, that nigga looked like Molly Ringwald stood out in the sun too long. He looks like an unfinished claymation character. Like, this is too how, much. How does Professor I, Banks not see this? I don't. No, you would think instantly those lips, that nose, like it yep. is evident. It, that nose could cut glass. He looked like pre and post Michael Jackson. He's supposed to be teaching criminal justice. This is a literal crime. <laughs> Him walking around campus looking like that. This is crazy. Yo, no one in the bursar's office is going to believe us. Wait, no. who, what do we do? How do we suss this out? I got it. We take him to the barbershop. Boom. Oh, man. Oh, 
They're going to rip him apart. They're going to cut that look wig. look at that hair. One look at that wig. Just smothered, right. smothered in chemicals. You got class with him later, right? Yeah, I'm going to run up on that nigga. All right. Bet. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we deconstruct these white savior films and recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And we have no time to waste because we have a movie <laughs> that has blown my mind uh, on several levels. And is there's there's a there's just so much to talk about. Uh, and we're very lucky and very fortunate to have two amazing guests who just before we got on told us that they saw this movie in theaters, <laughs> which is a whole other yes. situation that we'll we'll have to get into. Um, but uh, they are. Very, very fabulous. They were most recently the co-humanities chairs of the Generation X Festival in Los Angeles, and they're also the host of the Waiting to Excel podcast. We're joined by Karen Thompson and Winter Mitchell Robra. Hey. Hi. Hi, guys. So thank you for coming. Thank thank you for having us. Thank you for coming on. We have tons of questions. Uh, The more information that we're getting, (laughs) the more questions more questions than I had earlier. (laughs) But uh, first things first, before we get any further, um, tell everybody just a little bit about Waiting to Excel because, I mean, first of all, great movie, uh, great podcast, great theme song. I love the theme song. I'm always dancing when I listen to it. Um, But it's a a really fun podcast because it's obviously examining Generation X and like just a lot of the different ways that you can spin off of that um, one of the episodes I listened to recently was just about like Generation X pop culture and the way that it viewed the future and kind of how those things line up or don't line up, uh, which was a lot of fun to to think about. Um, so tell everybody just a little bit of, of the what and the why of Waiting to Excel. Do you want me to start just with our tag? Also, <laughs> I'll start with our tagline. Yeah. As we say, it's a show about the forgotten yeah. generation and everything you've forgotten about Generation X. And that's a little bit tongue in cheek because we know, especially if you're on Twitter at any point, any time uh, these days, Gen X is always trending. People have a lot of thoughts, either from the point of view of Gen X or not from, uh, or, or making fun of or whatever, uh, recontextualizing Gen X. But um, we kind of lean on the forgotten part because what people forget is that there were queers and people of color and others like who had a different relationship to pop culture uh, during the kind of Gen X era than say your kind of typical stereotype of who Gen X is, like the white dude slacker who has all the Planet of the Apes, you know, action figures <laughs> and stuff like that. But Winter, do you want to say a little bit more about you know where we're coming from? You know, I think the the great thing about Waiting to Exhale is that, you know, Katie and I really love pop culture. And we often looked at pop culture through our lens without seeing ourselves looking back. So to still like, you know, have a love and affection for things that largely didn't center our lived experiences was, it's something that I feel like Karen in her own way, obviously becoming like a decorated professor at USC is, 
is sort of like making everybody atone <laughs> for. <laughs> and, and I definitely think just like being able to sort of penetrate like the entertainment industry and, and want to do things on my own terms is definitely like also, uh, 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 sort of my re, uh, 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 my resistance towards, you know, an industry for the years that did not care about us. And that's what the show is an answer to. And it's not done with a chip on our shoulder. Yeah. We love this shit. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we love these things. We, we absolutely care about the content we consume because yeah. it's all yeah. we had, you know? So it's, I, I think it's be, you know, it's, it's, it's the freedom of doing the show. And the reason I love the show and love doing it with Karen is that we're able to sort of not do it from a mean spirited place all the time. <laughs> we're not like, you know, those snarky getcha podcasters, but we're also definitely like, you know, this matters and this doesn't matter yeah. that much anymore. <laughs> and that's the freedom of doing a show like that. That's why I love that we're talking mm. about this, the movie we're talking about today. I, I hadn't watched it literally since I first saw it. I remember every- Yeah, it's true. Once I saw you know, once I forget. watched it. <laughs> Yeah, once yeah. I watched it, like I was like, oh, I actually retained more than I thought. But also just to kind of quickly follow up on what Winter said, it's like about nuance for us, right? So part of the title, Waiting to Exhale, which obviously the play is on the X in Generation X mm -hmm. and then Exhale, but it's like, you know, it's about that kind of nuance perspective that one gets at a certain point. And I think that as, you know, uh, people in our, you know, as people of a certain age, <laughs> uh, and as people who've gone through some shit, not unlike the characters in Waiting to Exhale, I think that what we come to learn as they learn in that film is about how to live life with nuance, how to understand, like, to, you know, I guess I'm, I'm going to quote Facts of Life, take the good, take the bad, take them mm -hmm. both. And that's how we engage pop culture. So we're not about like, hey, that's, you know, fuck that. Sometimes we are, but like sometimes we're also like we we really mind those difficult feelings. So like we love a difficult feeling. Well, speaking <laughs> of difficult feelings, mm -hmm. let's talk about <laughs> Don't we don't we both? Don't we all <laughs> that we all watched this week 1986's Soul Man, which again, when people asked us to do this, I was like, You mean the Bernie Mac movie? And they're like, no, so man. And I had to look it up. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, in the list, like, me and Cameron have done movies like White Man's Burden, which I had never heard of before we did the show. Done Ooh. movies like yeah, Basmati Blues, Ooh. which I had never heard about before we did the show. And so this was another That's one recent, that, yeah. like, when I looked it up, not only was it 1986, but it like, people are in this movie like you know what i mean oh my god you just <laughs> jordan jordan you just you, you just conjured from white man's burden the commercial what did i do that remember john travolta oh, says that scent. in the yeah, commercial his, his, what did i do there were commercials for this movie see here's the thing i don't even remember <laughs> a yes. for this thing. it happened it existed it was made somehow it was conjured he, we had to get it on hell. DVD. We could not find it anywhere. We had to yeah. get the movie on DVD so we could watch the whole thing because it's, it's sitting not here. streaming. It's right or behind like, his wall, right here. It's right behind like a his cursed wall. object. What did I do? <laughs> what did he I really do? thought he was doing it? <laughs> yes. 
No, he had enough and, balls to do it in front of Harry Belafonte too. Like, imagine is, me in front of like Fred Hampton or something like that, being like, "You're so boss." Like, well, and that's the, it's. This is like a one to one though, because you've got C. Thomas Howell doing this in front of James Earl Jones, and then you got you got it. <laughs> you got Judge Travolta doing that in front of Harry Belafonte, and it's just like two people who should not that they should not be in those films. And I don't know how much of a yes. of a bag they got to be in them. Like it must have been another house, because it's not in both instances. It's not <laughs> like they're a character. House. Yeah, both instances. It's not like they're a character in the movie that's like somewhere else. Like they are central, acting across from. Yes, people yep. doing these things multiple days on <laughs> set. Multiple days on set above the like top five on, on the, the call on sheet. The, yep. the list. On the call sheet, yeah. Uh, well, some some small details about Soul Man before we get into some very interesting <laughs> conversation because, again, both of you have have said that you saw this movie in theaters, and I just I have all the questions. But this movie is directed by Steve Miner, who people might know from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Three, and, and then three. he went on to direct Warlock, Forever Young, Halloween H two O, and Lake Placid. So that's his yeah <laughs> his, his resume. Legacy. <laughs> Carol Black, who people might know from The Wonder Years, uh, co-creator of The Wonder Years, the original TV show, and The Ellen Show, uh, one of which did not end well. Uh, and also, most confusingly, if you go through her IMDb, a documentary called Schooling the World, The White Man's Last Burden, uh, which more or less is Ooh, about... Full circle. It's it's seemingly I'm not going to watch it, but it's seemingly about <laughs> um, like native schools in America and how like they were forced to leave their tribes and like homes and go to these other schools and then the horrors and everything that happened there. So it's just it's a it's a level of dissonance of like you understand this and like the, the tragedy of that, but also made soul man and like I don't. There's Probably a lot did. of things that I have questions about. But first, flow from your brain. First question, though, Karen, whoever wants to start, seeing this movie in theaters was what kind of experience? Like, what was it like? Did you like? Did you know what the movie was about? Oh, we knew what the movie was oh. about. I mean, <laughs> like, and you know, we are complicit. We actively, like, decided to watch it. I mean, I think. Look. My dad was a big fan of the 1970 Melvin Ben Peebles film, Watermelon Man, okay? And I do think that there's a way that we can link in whatever kind of high-minded way, uh, or at least in the creator's minds of Soul Man, that they were, you know, referencing that film when they were, you know, and transposing it for the 80s in some way through this different yeah. perspective and using this kind of a different... Uh, like leading man, teen idol type to, you know, um, tell a story about racism. Okay. It's a, uh, but uh, so I think that, you know, I actually think that I may have been the one to who was like 12 years old or what have you, like being like, you know, see Thomas Howell, let's go see this movie. Right. And, um, and so that's, that's part of why. And then no one had any qualms going to see it. Right. I think that it was presented uh, at least in my, you know, suburban burg of the Inland Empire in Southern California, you know, where uh, certainly at least the conversations that I was experiencing in that moment weren't um, 
that complicated around race, etc. Like everybody was just like, it's a C. Thomas Howell movie. It's a comedy. James Earl Jones in it. Actually, like what you were saying, his presence in a way authorizes it. There's nothing wrong going on here. You know, Radon Chong is in it. So let's go. Let's let's go for laughs. And I think that that's sort of uh, and I don't remember anything unusual about seeing this film in the theater, other than that it was like a big comedy that was coming out. And do you like? I uh, my. Well, oh, I was just gonna, well, I'll I'll ask this at the end oh, of, of, of what you said because I just want to know for both of you like the crowd reaction to it as well. Like, were people like laughing? Like, this was like hilarious. <laughs> or, like, were people very confused when they left the theater? Karen, what you say? I, for the life of me, can't remember what the crowd reaction was at all. Like I said, I think the fact that I don't remember anything unusual about it suggests to me that nothing different happened in the screen, like in the crowd audience reaction to Soul Man. Uh, nothing more different than watching that and say something that also we could think maybe has some problematic aspects to it. Now, a movie like Three Amigos, you know, sure. <laughs> with, oh, wow. you know, um, yeah. Also exactly. saw that in theaters. <laughs> so I think that it's like, you know, it, I in my mind, like, can't remember the audience reaction to either. They were probably very similar. Um, I, I was six when it came out. And this is, you know, this is something that, like, I've never talked about this, I think, on any podcast. I've never been this, this, so this is like an exclusive. Oh. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I was six years old. I went with my mom and we had, at the time we were living in a town, I'm born and raised in San Francisco. So at a time we were living in a town North of San Francisco, about 75 miles called Fairfield. And it was supposed to be like my mom and dad's like poltergeist dreams. <laughs> like they, my dad found us a house that was like huge. We had like four bedrooms, which means there was, everybody had a room. Um, my parents had a room room. And then we had a room just for our computers. We had a huge living room. We had all this stuff. This is the first time that I experienced as a child, like environmental racism, regular, you know, garden variety racism, didn't know it at the time. But now as a 42 year old woman, and I go back and talk to my mom and dad, I'm like, fuck, that was racist. <laughs> so, you know, we moved to the, <laughs> like you wake up in a cold sweat and I was like, oh my God. Um, and one of the things that we experienced of the environmental racism was like they everybody had grass but our house somehow had been landscaped for bark okay. so we couldn't play outside because yeah. it was bark um and then you know uh we you know all the kids were white and in, in my neighborhood but i wasn't like allowed allowed inside their mm, house even though like yep. i'm sure we had things that were more expensive than what they yep. had right um which we did i'm sure i'm actually quite sure of that but the one thing about this town fairfield is it is now a very overdeveloped like mini mini city right like it's a little city but at the time there was only ten thousand people it's a farm town right and it's also a military town because uh, davis uh, air force base is near it as well so we went to the movie theater because there was not shit else to do <laughs> in this town and that was literally it. There was a tiny main street and then there was this mall that was built that was like the only entertainment. So we were at the movie theater and drive in every weekend. Seeing Soul Man was partially my idea and partially my mother's idea uh, because she loves, she's got 
bamboozled because James mm-hmm. Earl Jones and Radon Chong, and you have to remember, Color Purple yeah, had right. just come out. Um, James Earl Jones was doing fantastic work as right. Darth Vader. So there was just sort of like this, you know, Black people are of the, uh, Boomer Blacks are of the Jet Magazine generation, where if you look in the back of Jet Magazine, it tells you all the Black people on that week. That's we're right. Gonna support them. I we're going to remember watch their shows. that. Don't care. Oh, care my how, God. <laughs> we don't care how terrible <laughs> it we is. We got to bring that back somehow. You know, it way. could be, that's hmm. my mama. We do have to, I try to bring it back every time I work with a Black organization and they just refute it. And I'm like, then you're really not Ooh. on our side. Um, <laughs> so we can talk about Ooh. that later. Um, so, I went, we went to go see Soul Man in part because I was obsessed with C. Thomas Howell. I thought he was so cute. I thought, you know, he was like, you know, that is my black woman's burden that I am militant, but I think white boys are cute. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to go see him because I love him. And he's in the movie that I love called Secret Mm. Admirer. So uh, I went to go see, I told my mom, let's go see this. It looks good. And she's like, I don't know, but whatever it's out. And everybody's talking about it. Cause mm-hmm. it was a hit yep. by the way. Soul man was a hit. Dollars. It did very well. $35 million on a, against a $4 million budget. And I just remember thinking that it was so confusing to watch this movie. It was really confusing because I was too young to understand like the context of why he did it. And I was also too, I was laughing at the things that in particular, the dinner scene, because, you Mm. know, those at that time, if it was not, if it were not for my mom and dad, and and by the way, this comes out of, don't worry, I'm going to get to it. Just trust me, trust me, just stay with me brothers on this. All right. It's a journey. So I'm watching this movie and I'm confused about it at the time, but it felt like, I don't know what it felt like, but I will tell you that it was the same summer that my mom and dad sat me down and said, you are not white, you are black. And you are a young black girl. You are a little black child. Like that, that, that was the same summer that my mom and dad had that conversation because I was exposed. Can you hear me okay? Okay, because I was exposed to so many things that, you know, are not stereotypically black because my parents, you know, had great jo- have great jobs or, you know, were provided for us in a way that was not the expectation of, you know, people at that time. So, like, I think watching this movie and the reactions of people in the theater laughing at that shit, because it was the predominantly white movie theater, mm. it just... It, if there was, there was a level of acceptance and okay, let's laugh at this because it is funny because that's how they act. And this is wildly impractical. Um, and it's a farce, right? Everybody kind of couched it in it being a farce. And I think it was a very confusing time for me to see this movie. So that's why when I watched it today, I was definitely like, <laughs> I remember all of this and I have a very different Oof. opinion about it today than I had about Oof, it then. Boy, uh, I mean, we're going to get a journey. My, yeah, my camera's actions are, are going to be raw. That was just a partial journey. The, yeah, this is the first time we, <laughs> we have seen this movie. And Cameron, I think we, we, we oh. get to tell people about it who haven't seen it. So we're going to get into our five minutes. Um, let me get our timer up. Right, you said that go. you could. I mean, you know, look, we we say it all the time. You know, we can do this in five. We can do this in five. Cameron, 
has has do, said he can do, do it in five. It. Um, I believe it. So, yeah, Cameron, I'm going <laughs> to give you the countdown. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. All right, so boom. Mark Watson and his friend Gordon. We're talking. That's C. Thomas Howell and some other guy. Uh, he's actually. It turns <laughs> out that's the same guy who was the guy who murdered his wife in Minority Report. Uh, that's how confident I am. Tangents. That's how confident I am. That's how confident I am. All right. So anyway, uh, Mark and his friend Gordon both get into Harvard Law School. And Mark is just getting cut off by his, you know, fluent, they live in a mansion, mom and dad. It's getting cut off. So he's like, how am I going to pay for what? At, at the time, $50,000 worth of tuition and fees, something around there per semester or per year. So he's yeah. like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? He studies up on a scholarship that allows that is uh, allows for one African-American student to attend that semester at Harvard Law. So he's like, well, it's it's his last ditch attempt is to start taking these sun tanning pills. He's like experimental <laughs> sun tan yes. pills, which I've never even heard of. We'll, we'll get into that that later uh but it's the melanin he jogs up beside his friend gordon he's like gordon check me out i'm a brother and gordon what falls off of the pier into the water in one of no cameron i'm I'm going to i'm going to pause your time here just because we can't gloss over just so people are clear c thomas howell is a this is okay yes okay we can (laughs) do this we can do this here we'll do it here and so just just describe what we'll he looks here. like so c people. thomas howell was a very attractive like like you said teen idol at the time uh you could liken him to like b-tier tom cruise you know he he's got the looks right but he's also got white looks he's got white features i'm talking a very <laughs> pointy nose a very um angular chin there are no there are no rounded edges on my man at all um your man looks like a white boy in a michael jackson way he looks like michael jackson right in that pre-beat it era Mm. he looks like that actually he looks like right before like he got all the surgery done and the bit of lag ghost uh quote unquote happened uh he he looks like those like because i remember in the 80s it was only like eight months where he really looked like that (laughs) <laughs> I was about this to say a, that it was like no, the I transitional was about era. To say that, the transitional era. <laughs> I literally was gonna say there was nine months with Michael. I'm talking. I'm talking. Beat it video. I'm talking right yes. before Billy Jean came out. You know, there, there's that era where he, he's black, but your boy did something. And it's like he he looks like he he like rolled in mud. <laughs> And it dried, oh, yeah. On yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, and then he put, and then he got a perm. But it's like so that, that's it's like, like the that, complexion uh, that, that he is. Mask, but like that masking mud, it's right. not chunky mud. Right. It's very smooth. His skin no. is like so, like dead yes. almost. <laughs> but I just wanted to clarify before we go on, just so people it's, when when black people yeah. are interacting with him, this is who they're talking to. It's also the problem with this entire <laughs> movie, go. by the way. <laughs> go go ahead, right. continue. So they get they get to Harvard, they get to Harvard and he runs into a beautiful black uh, student who is going there, uh, Sarah, played by Ray Don Chong. So uh, he's flirting with her at first. Also, this this movie is like a I did this crazy thing to get girls movie, which this is a long tradition. Mm -hmm. 
weird science. We 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 wanted to fuck a robot, you know. Uh, we wanted to <laughs> what 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 else did we try to fuck? Uh, a mermaid in Splash. These things happen. Like it's yep. just weird weird stuff happened. So uh, this movie is right in line with that, and uh, we meet Ray Don Chong, who's working hard at school uh, in classes with their teacher for criminal law, James Earl Jones, who's also in this movie for some reason. We'll get to that later. Yep. So. You know, uh, Mark's going around campus. He's hearing slurs at in, around campus. Uh, his uh, landlord, played by Naked Gun Leslie Nielsen, Leslie is Nielsen. a little racist <laughs> and also has a daughter that is also interested in Mark, uh, to his chagrin. Yeah. Um, so, in an a legendary scene. Oh wait, not to <laughs> his sh- not to his yeah. chagrin. Well, very much to, to his his, his his liking. His, he uh, likes it. Th- he likes it, but Gordon he doesn't Chagrin, like it. But... Yeah, Gordon Chagrin. Yeah, yeah. How about that? We'll go. We'll get into that. Well, there's a uh, dinner scene, a legendary <laughs> dinner scene at this point, where uh, yeah, uh, Leslie Nielsen's daughter invites him over to dinner, and the whole family's there. So everybody projects uh, what their preconceived notions of the black guy who's at dinner on on him. So what mom sees like a lustful like jungle man with a knife in his in his teeth uh the son sees yep. prince and the father sees what like i can only tell is like rick james eating some watermelon who impregnated his wife and is looking for a <laughs> hypodermic needle yeah. uh yeah so yes. there's that and thing, this is that this thing. is after the daughter and this is after the daughter oh, and mark have sex this, and she says yes. the line to him that i could feel 400 years of rage and oppression in every pelvic thrust in every pelvic so that, thrust. oh my god i mean we can get into the quotes later because trust this movie is fucking but, wild yeah okay Keep, but you guys also need to i just really quickly identify the fact that the whitney is portrayed by yeah, jan, jan from, from the office the, that is yeah. a young from jan, office, from, yeah. the jan office. from the office oh. and the <laughs> emmy nominated like um emmy winning plays, by uh, the way winning in in transparent who plays um you know the the lesbian lover of uh what's her face whose name i'm like amy landiker's character on transparent uh, so oh, like yeah. jan has had an also, incredibly illustrious she's I'm not calling her jan from the office but like <laughs> but like yeah but yeah. Uh, she's had an incredibly <laughs> illustrious and Julie, career and the, julie louis dreyfus is randomly in this movie as well yeah. so. as, <laughs> as mark's old girlfriend before he got to college yeah. Okay. And, so, and, and uh, Melora Harden is the name of the actress, by the way. Just like so, I don't yes. just call oh, her Jan okay. from the Office, but yes, she deserves that respect. She's she's working. She's Jan she's from working. the Office. That's what yes. she is. She's working. She's working. Um, she's working. So I guess the meat and potatoes of the story is that uh, there's a black council on campus, uh, the Black Student Council. You guess you could call it. I forgot what the acronym was, but uh, of course, Radon Chong is in it because she's one of like eight students on campus. Uh, yeah. So he goes there. He tries to get into the. He got tries to get into the group. Uh, what dressed like a Black Panther? They're not having it because fucking duh. And then he turns to his teacher, <laughs> James Earl Jones, and who turns out to be an officer on the on the committee on the board for that uh, for that group. So in trying to get in that group, he uh, what has to just bring his grades up and get better at school. And who else is going to teach him? But his uh his classmate sarah so 
what uh, who's it, now it, it, who starts out as the star student and is now somehow failing at mid-time. somehow failing because she's got a son yes. i guess because she's got a son we find out she's got a son and yeah. after hanging out with sarah for a while mark starts to realize that oh black people have it pretty tough they have kids and stuff and they get pulled over and they get arrested sometimes <laughs> oh, it's real bad for them so after walking a mile in our <laughs> shoes he's like no I've had enough. And in the big scene at the end, he is uh, being uh, what I guess coordinated for the for the black student union group, I guess. Oh, he's being well, there's there's a uh, there's a trial happening uh, in which Gordon is defending him because there there are allegations. Yes, there are what And, and they're really thin allegations, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but yes. And Gordon's whole defense is Gordon's defense is basically it ain't easy being white. <laughs> <laughs> Which he does in his big monologue at the end of the movie, where afterwards yeah. Mark shows up, sans blackface, the real Mark inside, has seen the air of his ways, and realizes that he also uh, took the scholarship opportunity from Radon Chong's character. And since he was flirting with her, he decides as his punishment to give his money, his scholarship money, to Sarah in some wayward way, because basically what his dad stopped cutting him off, gave him the money back. And he decided to use that money to pay Sarah's tuition, but he kept the scholarship. Oh no, he didn't keep the scholarship. He donated the scholarship yeah. to quote unquote black communities. Uh, and yeah, Sarah and basically, yes, Sarah and Mark and the little boy walk off into the sunset. That's soul man. That's soulmate. So <laughs> that's soulmate. Uh, before that's we go it, any further, way. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop this in here. Yeah, we have because <laughs> there's much to be said. Because <laughs> I feel like everybody has said they have a big idea about Soulman, a big thesis statement about yes. the movie. So we could just go counterclockwise, uh, I guess. Uh, Winter, do you want to start? And and give us your big overarching idea about Soul Man. I feel like Soul Man. I, I wrote a couple of notes because I, the 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 moment that he says that everyone loves black people, it's the Cosby decade. That's when. I immediately flew back to 1986 and said, "This is where we got." real off track because there became like this moment where while black people were being terrorized by Reaganomics and the Reagan era and him disenfranchising us further than we absolutely needed, there was this dude called Bill Cosby. I don't know if you heard of him who is trying to sort of like tell everybody that's them. Us <laughs> over here are, are doing great. That's, their thing. I've done all the work. I've been doing all the heavy lifting to sort of respectability politic, the black community. Don't worry, you'll get more of us if everybody looks at me. And this is sort of mm. that, right? Like this is sort of the run. I've never thought about that. Cosby like that. This gave some I've always thought mm. about Cosby like that. That's what's so interesting is because I grew up with people who did who didn't think he was funny for right, a lot right, of right. reasons. Mm. And, and it not the least of which was like he thought he was better than other sure, black that folks is, and that just didn't sit that well. I had assumed but 
not that he was doing this like <laughs> apology tour for Amer African Americans. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Sorry about the crack, but uh, there's a couple of us yeah, who went to college. But this is. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of folks who went to college so much that I'm calling myself a doctor without yes. a doctorate. So, blam, blam, you know, blam, blam. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. Bam, bam, bam. Stop, he's already dead. <laughs> Listen, the pros and cons. I wrote, I literally wrote pros and cons. Is it Mrs. Doubtfire? Is it Bosom Buddies? Is it Three's yes, Company? Yes. And this goes back to what you all were saying earlier. There was a way back then where you could just be like, he's you can live here. We'll just say you're gay. Or you guys look like two ladies. <laughs> or you're, 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 you're an absentee, really yep. bad dad, but we'll pretend oh you're a Oh my nanny. God. And white men were allowed to get away with this. And that was because they were cute and funny and charming and hysterical. And oh, and then suddenly had to have a come to Jesus and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we literally, you, you know, were fed that all through the 80s. And the, the, the 70s was sort of like your um, all in the family mod, Mary mm -hmm. Tyler Moore, that sort of like era of like, we're going to talk about feminism and abortion and racism, blah, 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 all this other stuff through a white lens. Then, you know, Bruce comes out and it's like, oh, we got to start talking about with Black people more about it too. Then we get to the 80s where we're like, oh, let's just have a little fun with all these things and take, and, and take some big swings. This was one of those big swinging opportunities, which as much as they think it landed because it made all the money, I don't think that it ruined everybody's career minus James Earl Jones and Laura Hardin. The leads, C. Thomas Howell don't and- forget Julia. Julia, they're all secondary characters. Starring sitcoms and, a legend, and another legendary sitcom on top of it, <laughs> she's great. <laughs> But Julia at the time was always playing this role. Even her boyfriend in the movie is Brad, which her college boyfriend is Brad Hall, who she's been married to since. So yeah. Julia, the moment she played against type, that's where the success, she was playing like these uptight, you know, uh, really like a, uh, collegiate uh, upper crust Ivy leaguers. That was like- Who were unbearable and annoying got, to everyone. Who unbearable yeah. and annoying to everyone. And then she gets, she does Psycho where she's a little bit loose, more loose, a little bit more goofy. And then it, and it hits, but the, the, the movie starred Ray Don Chong and it started C. Thomas Howell. Mm -hmm. yep. And C. Thomas Howell up until this point was leading movies and Ray Don Chong was an emerging talent. And the fact that their careers went to the bottom of the ocean into the Mariana Trench <laughs> after this is not, is not a, an accident. It's not an accident. The timing of Spike Lee's commentary, Radon Chong's response, uh, C. Thomas Howell, you know, is was an actor that worked for eight, maybe that 80 to 85 era, but there was a lot of C. Thomas Howells. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't standing up like as a king amongst other men. There was like 10 different C. Thomas Howells and Michael J. Fox emerged. So I feel like this movie is a perfect storm of like bad choices, but it's in the light of day watching it, I'm not gonna make an excuse for it. I, to an extent, understand what they were trying to do, but it's because I get like how they're trying to show like, stop, you know, stop pretending like all of these things will be fixed in two seconds. Let's teach a white man how to understand, uh, you know, what it's like to be black. 
it's still offensive as hell. And it's still super crazy to me that this movie ever saw the light of light of day. It's crazy to me. And it's didn't, I also don't want to hear that it's the same thing as Tropic Thunder, Robert Downey Jr.'s blackface and Tropic Thunder. Cause I think those things are completely different. Maybe that's a controversial take. I stand by it. Well, C. Thomas Howe would, would argue with you. Uh, we'll get to that. In a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cameron, does that align at all with what your, your big takeaway was? Yeah. I, I think uh, my theory kind of sits nestled right up in there, right up in that theory, which is that this is, sadly, they thought about racism as a plot point as easily, you know, reachable as what? Creating a girl out of uh, technology, creating a robot girl in weird science, or like uh, what? Fishing for a mermaid and Splash, like, you, you know what I mean? Like this, these were like male wish fulfillment movies that we kept kept making, kept making, and of course, white men right at the helm of them and right in front of the camera. You know, like each time. Yeah, it, it, we didn't do this, by the way. Black folks kind of like steered clear of like the sexy wish fulfillment thing, which is like, thank God, thank thank God we did. Uh, cause <laughs> it just, it just is so, it's so whack and so chauvinist and so like obvious on its face and for it to be like a, for, for this to kind of sit right with that, but also, but this time, you know, this time it's racism, you know, just as interchangeable as like, what else can we do to get girls? Because honestly, what he's shacked up with two women and like the, like right center part of the movie, the the center climax uh, is him doing the the sticky sitcom thing of I got a girl over here and I got a girl over yeah. there. It's, it's as old as the Flintstones. And my parents are like, here and I have to yeah, run around and yeah. Fred Flintstone and George Jackson were doing the same thing while married. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it's been happening for a long, long time. You know, this is an old tradition, and yeah. sadly. It's like blackface was just as easy to do as like, you know, Wilma being at the bowling alley and some other woman being across town. Like that's that's so wet. It's so wet and it's so on its face. And sadly, that's where the movie fails. And that's also why I'm confused as to why James Earl Jones read the script and was like, I'll appear in this. Because it honestly, yeah. it honestly <laughs> reads as like a really whack 80s sitcom and honestly a whack 70s sitcom is that at that. Because like I was telling you before earlier, Jordan, that every scene felt like what one scene was for plot development sake, and the other scene was a whack sitcom trope. Literally yes. bouncing back and forth until for the entirety of the runtime. Like Mm-hmm. When there's two climaxes, one of which is like the dinner scene, and one of which is the um the the speech at the end, and one yeah. is a goofy plot device. One of them is a is a goofy uh, trope, and the other is a plot device, and and it just feels so yeah. empty. And this being you know specifically the topic at hand being racism, you know you you have to stare at this movie and you have to wrestle with actual thoughts and feelings that lie inside yourself other than try to think to yourself, well, why is he trying to fuck a fish or why are they trying to fuck robots <laughs> or what's going on here? 
you know? Yeah. Um, Karen, did you have a big takeaway after seeing well, it? Could I chime in? Like, first of all, this is going to be, and, and you know, uh, and this is not like a devil's advocate remark in relation to why would James Earl Jones do this movie? But it is like, <laughs> you know, but it is a thought about where the movie lands in the end. And it's less about the speech than right. about what actually happens, that scholarship and what happens to it. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I'll say is that I was super actually kind of surprised at the reparations model that they yeah. offer at the mm-hmm. end of the film, because there's right. actually some level of nuance there insofar as the scholarship does not get set up in C. Thomas Howell's character's name, um, you know, and it doesn't get Thank set God. up in his family's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't get set up in his family's yeah. name. Right. So not only does he hand over mm-hmm. the scholarship that didn't belong to him, but they kind of silently or he manages to find a way to silently give funds without centering the identity of his family or their whiteness as the um, beneficiary or ex- not beneficiaries, excuse me, the benefactors of the scholarship. Right. But the, the, the scholarship is named after the Radon Chong character, right? Or something like that. And it is in yeah. perpetuity. So, yeah. so that's, that's legit an actual model that Ivy League universities are trying to use now around, yeah. you know, uh, reparations. So not going to say that like somehow James Earl Jones, like it may be in some kind of fantasy universe, maybe jo- James Earl Jones is like, oh, that's an interesting place for it to land. It's like, that's a kind of interesting, you know, sort of pill pocketed moment where there's some lucidness around what would it mean to try to make up for all of the inanity that just has just transpired here, right? right. And, and the violence that has just transpired, yeah. right? So, I and, completely and equal, agree. Yeah, equal parts inanity and violence. So I did think that <laughs> I did want to point point that out. And is that not the history of America? Equal parts inanity and violence yeah. and racism, right? So um, yes. So I guess the big, you know, the other thing that I would say is that. One of the things, the the more nefarious things I think this film sets up, and it sets up in a way that good white liberals often end up kind of undoing like their efforts at progress in many respects, is that it does call into question this whole, um, you know, even though there's like kind of criticism of it, the, the accusations of reverse racism and that affirmative action is bad. Because guess what? A decade, 10 years after this movie, we no longer have affirmative action, you know, in the University of California schools, mm-hmm. right? And, and it still like persists to this day. Like this was one of the things that chipped away at that. And why? Because they showed for us in this film, like, you know, I mean, sure, the C. Thomas Howell character is, you know, a nincompoop who like, you know, uh, was seen as a cad, undeserving in many respects, who took away a scholarship from a deserving person. But there's too much credence given to the idea that that was okay, that it's okay to do that because there's something kind of messed up about affirmative action anyway. I think Mm -hmm. that that's one of the kind of like more um, lasting and negative legacies of this film. And, you know, um, yeah, I think that that's like the inevitable, those are the kind of two, like one thing that is like, you could totally be reparative and say, well, like, you know, some universities would do well to follow the model of reparations at the end of Soul Man, which trust me, I'm sure you weren't expecting that sentence when you invited us on, but the other half of it, (laughs) 
the other half of it being basically Soul Man ruined the idea of affirmative action for a lot of people, in part by like psyoping us into this bizarre, you know, body switching universe that because um, the mm-hmm. 80s also did a lot of that. Right. Um, the 80s also right. gave us this sense of people masquerading you know, uh, as something else in order to get something they needed, whether it was Yentl dressing up. Boom. I'm snapping for you, Karen. Dressing as a man to go to the yeshiva or Tootsie, you know, pretending to be a woman to like get on a daytime soap or, you know, any of these things. As Winter was saying in TV, there's actually a cinematic history of that. And films that won Academy Awards that played out this concept of, Mm -hmm. well, you know, Uh, What if you just pretended to be this person who has access? And I think that that's, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's sort of one of the, I think this is the nadir, the kind of, as you said, the Mariana Trench of that concept and that idea. So I'll stop there. And uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, well, let's, let's talk about some wild, let's talk about some wild (laughs) shit because I have many a thought. And, and even, oh, keep going. even starting with what Karen was just talking about, right? So the Mia culpa they make, right? Where he does everything. He comes forward. He's white. He sits down with James Earl Jones. Somehow James Earl Jones' first instinct isn't to choke the shit out of him, but have a, <laughs> a leveled conversation with him. And he had tenure. He had to keep his job. <laughs> but Mark basically is like, you know, I'm sorry. Um, you know, yada, yada. And James Earl Jones says, you know, you must have learned something. And Mark responds, well, no, because like, I, I, I could always get out. You know what I mean? So I didn't really learn anything. Right. And then James Earl Jones is like, so you learned even more than I thought. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, like what a, what a revelation. And then like, they do the whole thing where he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to give all the money to Sarah. I'm going to set up, you know, something in her name. I'm going to volunteer my time you know i guess in other times and the community which what even does that mean it's pro bono lawyer labor he's gonna be volunteering yeah you know whatever um but here's the thing right we just did a did a whole episode on different strokes and there's a different strokes episode in which kimberly in blackface comes down to tell off her would-be boyfriend who was upset because she had two black brothers right and so the whole idea is that if i'm uh, you like me but i'm black and her thing wasn't even that i'm in blackface it was like i'm i'm black i'm I'm black black. these are my biological (laughs) black brothers Mr. Drummond is black. Yeah, Mr. Drummond is just yeah, right. He's just and, in a mask right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so the the show, in its you know high mindedness, is trying to do something where it's like, go Kimberly. You know, people are applauding for her. Great job putting all that paint on your face and that wig on because you really show this bigot what's what. And this movie again, Mark is in black. I know. The conceit is that he's taken a lot of tanning pills, <laughs> but he is in blackface. Yeah, black whole black body. It's not blackface. It's a black. He's in a black body, right? And like just walking around. And the movie is racist, right? Like that's the other problem. It, at the part where they're doing the whole, hey, you know, my girlfriend's here. My my. Uh, my other girl is here. My parents are here. He's running around. He runs into the room with his parents, 
with, without the ski mask on his face and for whatever reason just goes into full black like black scent hey oh mama <laughs> whoa. whoa what's going on you know what i mean and it's like why what 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 was Lay the point of that down, the mama. whole dinner scene the whole dinner scene well, is just argue. like you okay the whole go. dinner scene is racist but they'll are no sorry i don't mean yeah to no, no go ahead. just quickly say like the argument will be that his proximity to blackness is so distant yes. that he, again, we go back to that Cosby line, the Cosby show, everybody let you know, even the way he dresses, he sees himself as still collegiate, right? Like everything that he wears is overtly like blurry, right. but the way everyone else sees him through their lens, they're worse than he is. He's doing the thing. He's doing the ism, the sism, right. and, and and the lens through everybody else's. This is just a black guy, da, da, da. but he's the one doing the ism, so, so the sism. So when he sees his parents, he already knows how they're going to respond if hmm. he says, if he tries to be himself. They're going to be like, Mark, is that you? Yeah. And if in order to even try to play it off, the, the closest thing he can access is a black scent to try to pretend to not look like their son but a but an intruder but a potential <laughs> robber <laughs> well that's the racial unconscious that reveals itself in that moment though i mean it really is because it's just like yeah. like yeah. oops like this is where i go and also just like i, I mean i, I yeah. also just failed to say that of course when i talk about all these different kind of forms of i suppose masquerade right like mm -hmm. that i talked about as a kind of setup in the 80s Obviously, it's a direct line in genealogy to your Rachel Dolezal's and Jessica Krugs of the world uh, much later, mm -hmm. who like begin to afflict, you know, academia and culture in these different ways. Um, you know, yes. anyway. Wielded as a you. weapon. Exactly. Wielded <laughs> right. as a weapon. But, but, <laughs> but that's, I mean, even, even in the two like bookends of the movie, the opening, right, where he's like, instead of doing literally anything else, right? Like I can't get a loan because I guess I've I've done all this other shit. But again, your dad is rich. Yeah, you could just name drop some folks and borrow some money from some other people. But he goes, he he's I, well, I can't do that. I guess he's too rich to get a scholarship uh, for whatever reason. And then with the scholarship that he does end up getting, right? The conceit is that no other black person in the entirety of los angeles qualified for the scholarship there was one person who did and chose to go to stanford instead and so he <laughs> was the next person in line right that's crazy that's crazy there no other black person yeah could get the scot in los angeles you know what i mean like he's not in like some he's not in montana you know what I mean? like, there's so many black people in right. la who should and could have qualified for that scholarship then on the back end right i think they don't they try to get around this by having him do some altruistic thing but i think the real thing is they can't name it the mark uh whatever his last name Watson. is scholarship fund because they'd be naming it after the white guy who pretended to be black to get into harvard yeah. you know That'd what i mean like, and then and then they give him yeah, a right. statue it'd be like look and they'd then, be trying to rip down a christopher columbus statue but instead it had like fozzy bear on it or something mm -hmm. right 
But then on the other end, too, imagine being the next black person that gets a scholarship to go to Harvard. Because mm. the last one was a white guy. <laughs> so now In blackface. There's going to be a whole weird, you know what I mean? Like, just authenticity. Ch- I don't know how they're going to, like, you know, you can't get bamboozled again. So you got to, like, have some level of like are you gonna have a dna test i don't know what's gonna happen but there's gonna be something where they just can't let you get the scholarship and come in so like he's caused a whole shitload of trouble right but here's and the thing Both basically of- in the end it, he gets rewarded for it though because like literally ray dong chong at the very end is not into it right he meets her in the right. in the dining yeah. hall and it's like what do you think about interracial relationships and she's like I don't know. Not really for me. And the way that he wins her back is by violently and comically punching out two racist guys, right? And then she's <laughs> like, "You know what? I think I think the man I want to be around me and help raise my son is the white guy who lied about being black to me <laughs> for months and then and stole my scholarship, violently punches out people and you know what I mean? Like what? But oh, don't also don't <laughs> and that's forget the, the black guy. That's the that, act like, that wins her back. Head, like so hard when he punched those two guys. He was and, like, yeah. And and the, the cosine. Here's the other weird thing, right? Here's the other weird thing because in the scene where you know Gordon does the whole thing, gives his whole speech, and then Mark reveals himself, they go around the room and everybody says, "Of course, right?" But like when you dig deeper into the implications, right? The black guy is saying, of course, that's why he wasn't good at basketball. <laughs> the the uh, girl that he was sleeping with, the white girl who's, I guess, just got all, all the fevers, is mm-hmm. like, oh, that's why his penis was small. Because he's a white man. You know what right. I mean? So, like, Even though she and the said other, in that uh, scene earlier, she said the rumors weren't true. so Or the r- rumors were right. true. So that means he has but one, so they're, or he doesn't. Oh, no, no. She mind. said, but that, then she said some, some rumors are true, some are not. And she implied that he yeah. was in, is averagely endowed. <sighs> right. And so, like, everybody... Joke. <laughs> in that scene, everybody is just, like, co-opting all the stereotypes. Racist. And just saying, it's oh, just, yeah. All the sism. <laughs> All but both and so this movie it's like this movie has one shining moment of like oh it, and that's what i think makes it more infuriating because that moment in the office of james l jones is like oh hey guys we actually get it so like we're gonna do the right thing here but the rest of the movie you just watched is racist <laughs> and so that's like doubly so because it's like so you knew and then you still made this movie oh, that doesn't like again the cognitive dissonance of it all well <laughs> it, it, it goes a step further when you realize that C. Thomas Howell and Radon Chong got married no, after what? this movie. Sure did. Yep. <laughs> For a year. And, and then they got no, divorced. So. For a year. And then they got divorced. Because, right, duh. Yeah. Well, look. Do you think? It's, it's <laughs> look, I think that one point that could be made is just like, it's realistic insofar as the white man fails upward and becomes uh, heroic for not, for doing like, one decent act amidst so many other kinds of hmm. violences like that's just i mean that's why this movie's here out. yeah right that's why we're that's, here <laughs> that's yeah that's just how it works out no, right? that's, the, that's the adam sandler theory that's every adam sandler movie is him like 
failing doing up. the craziest things and then having a realization at the end everybody's like we actually love you yeah. it's okay <laughs> like come back and and keep being crazy and we'll just accept being you, crazy Madison. and irresponsible it's cute in adam sandler movies both times you mentioned jordan feel more like script conceits that just had to happen so the plot can start yes. and end like because they because both on their face are completely idiotic and make no sense in the real world and why would any of this like he'd show up at the bursar the the scene where she what the bursar whites out white on his application yeah. and like if you saw that there'd be a the whole investigation there's and you wouldn't just like point make finger guns at each other and like laugh about it like they did in the movie like it wouldn't have happened it's a cartoon it's all it's already a cartoon well look i mean let's just let's get into this specifically why did none of the black people in this movie <laughs> lay it on them. look at c thomas look at him. and say it's oh, oh, oh yeah where, do where it do it, it? Do why did they not why did they not look at him and just say <laughs> because there's no there's no there's fucking no, way it's it's like it's like here's the all right when you when you see black people that there's look like that one in the scene, wild, there's... you're like i gotta call a number there's <laughs> not one one i gotta call somebody because here's the, gotta call, there's, there's one scene where he's like poking his head in through the door and he's literally like green <laughs> yes he's green the, the makeup is inconsistent he's throughout green. this movie because it's so be purple sometimes. In the soccer scene, and he'd be purple sometimes. In the soccer scene, you actually see the makeup on his on his shorts. Like, like yeah. it looks like when I hug people when I'm wearing makeup <laughs> and I go and hug people and I leave like my whole face on their shoulder, and I'm like, well, that's great. I mean, that's just great. I mean, it was so that's also like how you we get to the point today where we're thinking about how black people make film and you know, Karen speaks about this all the time. One of her besties did all the lighting on um, Insecure and, you know, how you light Black people and how you do makeup on Black mm. people and how Black people have to still to this day fight to get their hair done right. And one of the reasons Naomi Campbell is bald because she let people perm and heat train yeah. her hair till it fell out, you know, on the runway. And it's like, this is all part of that trauma that we continue to have to deal with because if we want to assimilate and we want to be a part of something, we either have to do our own shit, wear a wig, you know, do our own makeup, whatever. And they were literally like, let's make this man chocolatey, this white man chocolatey, give him a Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial wig and just send him out into the world and it reminds me of when they did the black white show with ice cube which it resurfaced recently on twitter because people had forgotten or didn't remember that it existed it wasn't that long ago it was like 2008 where they a black family and a white family swap yes. races and live as the other often yes. other race for yes. a month or TV and show. it's just like yes the tv show and it's just like don't do this you know don't do this i think there's a reason why we haven't seen blackface since tropic thunder because it was like so pointed when the intentionality See, yeah. of it that that perform 
You know what I mean? Like that performance stands out to me, not because I have like some heart on RDJ, but it's like critical of the industry, the lengths the industry will make you believe and accept a concept because it gives this white man an opportunity to be the best white man at this one thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I honestly feel like poor C. Thomas Howe, he's also part of that group of 80s heartthrobs that have aged terribly. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I mean, he looks terrible today. And I just can't imagine a world where I thought he was so gorgeous because he looks like beef jerky now. Well, in that, <laughs> in that movie, he didn't look so great either. Those... <laughs> you know, you know what he looked like? Yeah. He no. looked like, so a Hershey's kiss looks delicious, but when you like find one you didn't eat for like three months, three months later down the line, and it's got that like white <laughs> crusty sheen on it. That's what he looked like for the duration of this movie. Yeah. Well, allegedly, like because of the color of his eyes, like they have kind of a golden tint, they had to give him contacts because he looked so crazy <laughs> with, the, with the makeup on <laughs> that they were like, "This would like be unsettling." So they they couldn't do it, uh, and I think, but that's the that, thing. And it's that like, actually, you could you could you could, you, you could probably argue for that because there are people that look just as scary as Christian yeah. Walker. Well, here's here's yes, the thing. The guy right? that was standing in the woods. Remember that guy that stood in the woods? Who would stood yeah. in the woods? You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. stood <in laughs> the woods. He said he was a vampire on TikTok. He's like the vampire yes. on TikTok. Oh, he was. Yes. he was a moment. He was a moment for sure. <laughs> well, here's the thing, because like we black people, right? Like there's there's no other race that has this conversation about passing more, right? Mm-hmm. And so like we know. Okay, this is like, I think this is almost like a science at this point. Like back, you know, in the in the fifties and the forties and thirties and twenties, like black people could just look at another black person, specifically one who was passing, and more or less be like, "I see you." you know what I mean, like, I'm not going to say anything, but I, but I see, I see it. Right? These white people don't see it for whatever reason, but like, I get it. Right? Very rarely, you know, again, you had the, the Rachel Dolezal and then the, the other professor. And there's been other people who have kind of, like, played black. But the thing about it is there's always been black people who were, like, they're not black, right? And, like, maybe they didn't say it super loud or maybe they said it and people were, like, what are you talking about? But there has always been detractors who have been, like, no, something's off. I see it. I've, I The vibes that I'm getting, conversations that I've had, right? And so you get into this kind of tricky space of like, what is black? What does blackness mean, right? There are people who certainly look away, right? I was telling Cameron, like, if you told me Rashida Jones was was just a white woman, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. There's a whole, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily there's a whole have, class of like, those women like Mariah Carey. Uh, okay. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. I didn't know Jennifer Beals was black for like, Forever. Even Re- Rebecca Hall recently, Rebecca who's Hall, the, the director of Passing. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. Which Hel- is also Helsey? a very good movie. You know, if you told me Helsey was... You know I, I mean? did not but know like, Halsey was Halsey? Halsey? Yeah. at all. You know, like, okay, there's certain people who it's like... That speaks... No, oh, no, no. Keep, no keep all I was going to say is those people look white, though. Right. That's the thing, right? They don't look black, and people are like, wait, you're really white? It's like, no, they look white. And then people say, oh, but did you know so-and-so is black? And you're like, huh, okay. You know, and then you see the, you know, the parent I mean, or that, like you kind of look at it. This list. is not that though. He is, 
He is a white man. <laughs> and I feel like if, if they tried to go for man. that they were talking about, they probably could have got away with it somehow. Like, you know, some light touches, maybe yeah. some like, I don't know, uh, fattening of the cheek, maybe. I, I don't know what it takes. I don't know what it takes. Maybe a rounded <laughs> cheek. The nose. Okay, it's, it was the, the nose. No one the nose. The, the, nose. the, nose, the nose is, is the, just yeah, the, the dead giveaway. The dead, dead yeah. Giveaway. The nose the lips. is... And the lips. Your man looks and like a GI I've seen some thin lip black people too. You know, Beyonce used to have thin lips, and that was always sure. to me like a giveaway that she was just deeply Creole, and somebody very close to the vine was was a white person. But like the one thing that I feel is that we we haven't really touched on is the fact that Raydon Chong is biracial, and she, you know. The comments, did you all read the comments she made about what Spike Lee said about yes, the movie yes. and her response to it? Before you go and on, I, Richard, I do I do have to play this. Just to set it up, continue. <laughs> she, here's the thing about Radon Chong, is that her mom was a black exploitation actress. Her father is Tommy Chong, who of Cheech and Chong, we all know who he is. Maxine Sneed is like iconic to me as well, and she gives. She's giving. I have to do the TikTok thing. She's giving. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a light skinned biracial, and this didn't bother me that much. And I'm mad at Spike Lee because if you're not militant. I, the comment was something closer to like, if you're not militant, then you're not black enough. And sorry if I'm acceptable. No. That last. Oh, yeah, that, mm. Okay. I, that I have the quote here. Really... I'll read the quote for you because Spike Lee, when the movie was coming out, I mean, first of all, let's everybody, right? It wasn't, I mean, the, she wants to put it on Spike Lee, but uh, the NAACP, not happy, mm-hmm. right? When this came out, uh, then President Willis Edwards said, We certainly believe it is possible to use humor to reveal the ridiculousness of racism. However, the unhumorous and quite seriously made plot point of Soul Man is that no black student could be found in all of Los Angeles who was academically qualified for a scholarship geared towards blacks. However, in the film, Sarah, played by Ray Dong Chong, does qualify for the scholarship, but Mark unknowingly took it from her, right? Black UCLA students picketed the premiere of the movie in LA, like, People were not happy. Mm-hmm. So Spike Lee is asked As they about should. it. He's asked about it on on Dick Cavett and is basically like, that movie's bullshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, you know, we can see it on its face. You don't have to, you know, because Dick Cavett was like, oh, so you're going to see it? And Spike Lee basically, he's on TV, but he's like, fuck no. Like, why would I see that movie? I don't have to see the movie to know this is wild. This is unacceptable. He's in blackface. That's like point right there, you know, right? So Ray also, Chong. It was nice to not, see Spike like, not quite his self mad, you know. Yeah, because he could have let Dick know what was going on in his mind, and multiple times you could see it right. on his face that he's just like, you know what, I'm uh, I'm gonna promote my movie and keep my mouth yeah. shut. <laughs> so Spike Lee makes a comment along the lines of like, you know, somebody should check Redong Chong and and maybe you know take her card, you know, something along those lines. So Redong Chong 
all in it, right? And says, it was only controversial because Spike Lee made a thing of it. He'd never seen the movie. He just jumped all over it. He was just starting and pulling everything down in his wake. If you watch the movie, it's really making white people look stupid. The film is adorable, and it didn't deserve it. I always tried to be an actor who was doing a part that was a character versus what I call blacking or playing my race, because I knew that I would fail because I was mixed. I was the black actor for sure, but I didn't lead with my epidermis, and that offended people like Spike Lee. You're oh, either no. militant or you're not, and he decided to just attack. I never forgotten him. I've never forgiven him for that because it really hurt me. I didn't realize it at the time that pushing for the Afrocentric agenda was going to bite me, or not pushing for the Afrocentric agenda was going to bite me. When you start to do well, people start to say you're a Tom because you're acceptable, right? Uh, she's gone on. That was you know an older That's that angry out of she's touch just response. recently, 2020, 2021. She too, came back. That was recent. Yeah, she like the 35th anniversary ahead, of the movie ahead. was recently, and she was again just saying how great the movie was, how there's nothing wrong with it, how people who have problems with it just haven't seen the movie. Um, we're four people who have seen the movie, and <laughs> I think maybe she protests a bit too much. Uh, <laughs> Can I say um, something about? But that's um... that's that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Finish go ahead. this thought before I, because this is a separate thought. Oh, no. I was just going to say, yeah, if we if we want to go down the list, because she's not the only one. One C. Thomas Howell had a lot to say about this movie, specifically in an AV Club interview he did, where he was talking about a bunch of other roles that he did. But basically, he talks about how he watched the movie recently with his 11-year-old son uh, and was like, wow, I'm shocked at how harmless this movie was. And the anti-racial message involved in it is so prevalent, uh, and he doesn't really understand why people hate it. Like, he gets that blackface is kind of like, you know, a taboo thing, but for the people who didn't see the movie, um, you know, he feels like, this is a quote from him, I think the people that haven't seen it that judge it are horribly wrong. I think that's more offensive than anything. Judging something you haven't seen is the worst thing you can really do. In fact, Soul Man sort of represents that all the way through. I think it's a really innocent movie with a powerful message, and it's an important part of my life. I'm proud of the performance. I'm proud of the people that were in it, right? And then he goes on to quote Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder as a version of the movie, and he says the difference is that he was just playing a character in Tropic Thunder, and there was no magnifying glass on racism, which is so prevalent in our country. I guess that's what makes people more uncomfortable about Soul Man, but I think it's an important movie. So he's still ride or die for Soul Man, all the way uh, <laughs> both, both of them are very much so like love soul man you know who hasn't talked about soul man james earl jones james earl jones Julie that's right Dreyfus. <laughs> like, a bunch of other people Lord. in the movie have just said yeah. yeah nah don't ask me about that but those two <laughs> unsurprisingly the two that got married are like you know, a soul man tattoo it on my face. Like I <laughs> want everybody to know I was in this movie, and I love it. Uh, Karen, what was your thought? Literally, like, <laughs> no, no, no. A, go. A, a, go. Just in response to all of that, it's just like <laughs> harmlessness is like what it, 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 is that not the excuse for everything that sucks and is racist? It's like it was 100%. just harmless. It was just fun. It was, you know, actually, if you really think about it, right, like this deeply offensive thing, whether or not it's like aesthetic, i.e. blackface, you know, which is also linked to all this other histories, it's just harmless, good fun, right? Like we've heard that fucking line before. Sorry, I don't even know if I'm allowed to curse, but let's say that. No. The yeah, other thing that do. is a very, very <laughs> side note to this in 
uh, you know, regarding C. Thomas Howell's appearance in the film. And is that you all sent us a link to the video, the music video for Soul Man, the version of Soul Man mm. that um, Sam Moore and Lou Reed recorded together for the film. Honestly, yes. like part of it was just <laughs> the, like the video quality, it's like 80s video quality, but like was Lou Reed, like Lou Reed in that video? I'm like, does he not look a little like Mark in the <laughs> like movie? Like part of me was like, is is Lou Maybe. Reed like like you know, tanning himself to like play upon this look in the film? Mm. And you know, so I was just like, so there was Possibly. a little bit like so it's like just the look even of how like because if I just, you yeah. know, like I just wanted to remind myself exactly how C. Thomas Howell looked. And it's like Google C. Thomas Howell Soul Man. And especially those horrible, horrible scenes where he just slaps sunglasses on and starts like weaving like yeah. Stevie Wonder. There are like way too many Stevie lazy Wonder, yeah. Stevie Wonder jokes, like in the context of an hour and 40 yeah. minutes. But uh, but but yeah, anyway, just yes. wanted to kind of point out that interesting connection there. It, it, you know, and just like. I don't know if that was on purpose or just sort of like what have you, but those forms of like if people call it like black fishing or whatever it is. I mean, love and theft, mm -hmm. you know, as people talk about in the relationship between <laughs> kind of white musicians, white artists and the relationships and adjacency to blackness, R&B, et cetera, right? Like that, you know, we were watching that play itself out in the video while we're getting all sorts of weird shit like Kurt Rambis, like singing Soul Man into a microphone. Anyway. And also, there's a point in the music video in which a hot dog vendor puts a microphone in a hot dog bun, puts mustard on it, hands it to Sam Moore, and Sam Moore proceeds to sing into the hot dog bun microphone. <laughs> like, it's not even a joke. It's just like, a like I don't know who, what the producer on the video was like. It's just, yeah, a little more mustard. All right, Sam, you want to come and like... Sing, but you guys, not not to be like all auntie grandma on this, but like we're older than you. I'm a, is my assumption based on how youthful you both look. This was just the eighties. <laughs> this was just literally how <laughs> shit. We we were fed yes. shit, and yes. we were told this is how. Yeah, this is you're gonna accept this. You're going to watch. <laughs> a fake guy on TV who's going to terrorize you, Max Headroom, and you're it's going to yeah. be the number one show. You're Love going it. to watch crazy sitcoms with absolute ridiculous hygiene, and you're going to take it, and this is how we make our money. And, like, the, 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 the things we see today as like for stage television was always like right after we went to bed like 10 o'clock mm -hmm. is when you got your sane elsewheres and your hill street blues where it was like gritty programming but that first three to four hours before front loaded was stupid it was seven to ten p.m nightly was a front load of stupid and it's like music videos as well during MTV, it, a lot of it was just set up to like, we just need to get our music played because MTV is the hottest place. And what are you going to do with Sam and Dave and Lou Reed? 
Let's just give them goofy moments and just throw a track under it and get that shit out. Like I was always saying, it's like very much influenced by the the I I love LA Randy Newman video. It's just like man on the street, let's gorilla film this. Just like get a bunch of people like while we're driving through town in a convertible or whatever and in and out of a studio. But you're right, Winter. It's just like. Uh, you know, I referred to Three Amigos earlier, but that was another big movie in 1986, right? And, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of folks who have a lot to say about, like, you know, the, the even the setup of that and these guys dressed the way they were dressed in their attire, you know, uh, and then, like, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and, yeah, the 80, in the 80s, all the movies of the 80s basically told, you know, uh, anyone who was a woman that they would be sexual prey, right? I mean, it's like, that was the other thing, like all teen movies, it's like, oops, you know, this is a little accidentally rapey or whatever. It's just like, con- you know, consent is just not even a ha ha ha, revenge of the nerds. Guess what? A nerd is going to like hook up with you like at some point. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Like, look. I mean, the beginning of this movie, Mark is in bed with a girl who is just like, randomly there gordon comes in they're talking they're having they're literally acting like she's not there that's kind of the joke of the scene and then you know like she's like oh aren't you going to introduce me to gordon and he's like oh yeah that's right and then he introduces himself to the girl basically insinuating that didn't even know who she was wasn't even aware Mm -hmm. she was there right and like his whole Mm -hmm. intent like the only reason he wants to sleep with sarah the end. You know what I mean? That's the, really the, the initial reason of his interest in her. And then, like, even the other girl, um, Leslie Nielsen's daughter, who, like, is very racist to him. Mm-hmm. Up front. And he's, he doesn't yeah. understand what's happening. You know what I mean? But it's like, she says something about doing her thesis in civil rights. And he's like, I happen to love civil rights. Mm-hmm. You know? And then they, like, sleep together. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... You know, but that his whole thing too was like, oh, great! Like she likes black guys. I guess I'll just sleep with this girl until I get tired of that, or until Sarah gives me a chance, or whatever. So, like, even this whole movie, like, he's very misogynistic and not really worth anybody's time, but still somehow ends up with Sarah in the end. So it's like that character, the Laura uh, Hardy <laughs> character, uh, ends up growing up to be like Allison Williams's mom and Get Out. Or something, you know, just like she learned all her lessons from this particular figure. Anyway. Yep. Uh, Before we reimagine this movie, did anybody else have any final, just general thoughts on Soul Man? Okay. It doesn't hold up. It's weird. It's, 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 it's a misfire. It's, it's all, you know, it couldn't have happened at a better time. I'll say this much to Spike Lee's credit. Spike Lee, the 86 was also a really big deal yeah. for Spike. And, and it, it, there is a reason why they would ask him about this movie because his films were so, even with all the problems that you can be found in a Spike Lee film, you know, misogynistic is, com- comes to mind in one instance, specifically speaking that she's got to have it. Like it is, it was important to uplift like black artists, Whoopi Goldbergs, the Oprahs, the people that were sort of emerging from this mm-hmm. cloak of like overt whiteness in film and television that were starting to sort of get the attention that the black community needed. So like to Spike's point, it was his responsibility, even though it's an annoying question asked, to sort of have a comment about it because it served to speak to his entire narrative about 
about what was happening here and why he was going to be successful at what he did because he wasn't commanding millions of dollars from a studio that really allowed this to sort of get out and, and, and be in theaters. He was doing stuff so shoestring and sort of on his own merit that it is remarkable what he created versus a movie like Soul Man, which I don't think these people marinated on this script a lot longer. No. I'm actually dying at the people they asked to be in this movie that said no, to Whoa, be the market. Like it, Val let's read it. Just, it's Anthony Michael Hall, John Cusack, Anthony yeah. Michael Hall, Tim Robbins, Anthony Edwards, Val Kilmer, and John Cusack all said, that's going to kill my career. No, thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they were all Thomas hot. I was like, sign they were me up. All hot. Sign me up. I yeah, got nothing going it. on and let's do it. And all of those guys were so hot at the time that it was a smart, like where were C. Thomas Howell's <laughs> friends? Yeah. Uh, boy. Well, last little tidbit. This is from IMDb. Uh, in the scene where Gordon first sees Black Mark uh, jogging down the pier, the original joke that was written was to have Mark pretend to mug Gordon and oh, then uh. go as far as to have him make Gordon sing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Uh, oh my God. And it was deemed too racist, if you can believe that, by <laughs> the director and the writer and so they changed it to just him falling off the pier but uh, oh god what a time oh god that was deemed too racist but not when he was dressed like a pimp eating watermelon and then saying go get my hypodermic comma slut yeah (laughs) which is just like a wild line that was fine type out of your fingers like how many takes do you think they did too many and by the way, that was a day. And was there alternate was a, dialogue or was that the first? It was a day. It was a day that they sat in that dinner table and he got oh, dressed God. in those wild ass costumes and they shot each version of that. Oh, my yeah. God. Just how do you feel yeah. after that day? How oh. do you feel? Great, I guess. Check clear. Uh, he has no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Uh, Winter, Karen, did, did either of you have a way to reimagine this movie? You can always say no. You can always say this is should be left where it was, and we can just uh, be done with Soul Man. But is there is there any way that you can imagine Soul Man without the White Savior, or from I guess Sarah's viewpoint, or an alternate character's viewpoint? Yeah, I mean, look, Soul Man was already <laughs> like the upside downs version of Melvin Van Peebles' Watermelon Man. And so I think that as like the reverse of a reverse, you know, like, I think that it was, it's, it's hard to then think about, I mean, honestly, like maybe it's a movie later on with mini driver and like, or maybe it's like with, with otters or some shit like that, like, you know, or whatever, but like, um, I'll, I'll just say, I mean, not really, there's not, I mean, we could imagine actually, we've all asked throughout this whole podcast, what was James Earl Jones thinking? (laughs) <laughs> well, what, you know, what, uh, what would that story look like if we got to see like inside his mind behind the scenes, actually like the point of view that he may have had of, you know, how grotesque it was like what happens after the revelation. Maybe that's, maybe that's something, but that's like a real stretch that, but like, that's, you know, I love the idea of, you know, finally figuring out, okay, what's behind that character, what's, what's in that character's mind. 
or actually like the meta movie mm. that's like James Earl Jones behind the scenes tell us what was on your mind. That's what would make it interesting. Yeah. For- James Earl Jones does commentary <laughs> yeah, on Soulmate. <laughs> Blu-ray extended commentary on Soulmate. So that's yeah. That's my my only Oh boy. Okay, yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. <laughs> Winter, did you have a a, a way? There's no way. There's actually <laughs> not in this not in this new 2022 lens where we're being the atonement is that we get to have things and we get to have yeah. like an amazing showrunner like Shonda Rhimes. We get one of everything. We get Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. We get uh, Issa Rae. We get uh, you know uh, uh, Jordan mm-hmm. Peele. We get we get one of everything in every genre because that's what we've earned. You get one. We all earn that. We get Lupita Nyong'o. You get one. Everybody yeah. gets one. And, theory, and you know, like we, <laughs> there's just, there's really no way to like redo this. I honestly feel like this movie was not expected to do that well. And it was just to get it out and done because let's see what would happen if it slipped under the radar. But it, I don't, it's like a, you know, I watched it today again, and again, I haven't seen it since it came out. And that was almost 40 years ago. So mm-hmm. I, I, I really think like, what was I going to say? Watching it was like mm. a fever dream. It's just like when I watched uh, Nothing But Trouble. I always, Ooh, I, yeah. when I saw Nothing But Trouble for the first time, I literally thought Nothing But Trouble was like, it's like a extended a, Adult Swim cartoon. It's like so fantastical and out of control. I remember like I saw it once on cable and then it had been years till I'd see it again. And I always remember, and, and I, said to my husband, man, when I watched Nothing But Trouble today, it just reminds me of how I thought this was a fever dream. Like, I thought I dreamed up a movie where Dan Aykroyd takes his nose off. Demi Moore, at the height of her career, is some for some reason in this. You know, it, yeah. it just, like, there's there's so many Tupac different crazy was Tupac's <laughs> in it. Tupac Shakur was there. Like, it's a fever dream of a movie and Bobo and D- was it Bobo and Diva and st- do, do, do. Yeah. I just, yep. uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's a fever dream era of film to me. Like I would, I, we care and we need to talk about movies that are fever dreams for us because it's yeah. just like, it's, you, it's crazy to you that this mm-hmm. movie came out. I saw nothing but trouble briefly on cable when I was a kid and was obsessed with it because similar to you, I was like, what? is happening like i came in in the middle and was just so confused and then like this was before you know imdb was like really popping up and i didn't know the name of the movie so i was just like googling like roller coaster death like (laughs) bone (laughs) just trying to figure out like what this was yeah and like it's wild it's really wild i finally like tracked it down but there was like at least 10 years where i was just like was I just like sick and like just like losing yes. my mind? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the movie. only way because you know, there's been movies, right? So I was just thinking of this movie, Down to Earth, which was Chris Rock, where he dies oh, yeah. back in the body of a white man. It's a remake of um, Having Can Wait. 
there's yeah there's a movie this would be the movie that i would recommend not because it's good but just because it's like i think it's a movie a lot of people haven't seen and it's kind of a wild movie called living large uh with terrence uh tc carson oh i've seen um, that that's where the backwards he's like this. a black news reporter and yeah and then becomes like slowly becomes white uh over the course of the film and it's just kind of it's like a wild film that like again i don't think it's good i haven't seen it in a long time mm-hmm. but <laughs> it is an interesting inversion of this movie to kind of think about like what that would be like the only way i could have thought doing this movie could even be close to it wouldn't be a good movie but like a black character and a, just a white person have a similar name and harvard sends them the wrong acceptance letter and so this black person gets accepted into Harvard. They think that it's going to be a white person. They show up. And now it's kind of like a, okay, I guess this is the person that we accept. We thought you were white. Like, you know, we, we talked to you over the phone. You sounded white, like all of this stuff. But now you're here. So like, welcome to Harvard. And they're kind of having this like, again, experience of going to, to college. Everybody kind of being like, whoa, you know, um, but again, it would have to be done in the eighties uh, because now, like, it would have to be done in the eighties. A like, black person in Harvard is not. not and Harvard, to me, yeah, that, I mean, Karen can can challenge this, and I'm sure she will. But <laughs> I feel like Harvard has fallen out of favor in terms of like being like this pristine high institution of just like I get it, but I know a lot of dumb people. Oh, I mean, but that's the that's how it's I always. I guess the been. other black person who got accepted said Stanford is <laughs> well, better. That's so. how it's yeah. always been though. I think that you know I, like I'll say as an educator that those Ivy League schools are a scam, you know, insofar as I mean, you know, what is like the, the great inflation at school, Ivy League schools and at a school like Stanford, frankly, versus let's say when I was teaching at UC Berkeley, you know, um uh the grade inflation is wildly disproportionate like we gave more realistic grades at the public institutions that you know uh, work hard to educate your kids than the private schools i'll just say that because i'm still employed by a private university so um, i won't i won't say anymore yeah i won't say anymore but i will say i think they'll be fine with me saying i've been in harvard definitely like all sorts of nefarious shit has gone down there in its long history well Let's get you guys out of here real quickly on our, our two last things we got to get to. Uh, one, we're going to play our favorite game, which we're going to guess what this movie got across all the aggregate review sites. So starting with IMDb, Karen, what do you think? Soul I don't Man even know. Like, I, I, like the thing is, I don't even check these re- like, or, or have a sense of it, what kind of. Between one to ten, Karen, one to oh, ten. On IMDb? I th- yes. Yeah, there's like some points 4. in there too. So it could be like point five. something. That's 6.4. Winter, what do you think? Uh, I think it's like a 5.8. Cam? 4.5. 5.3. That's above half. So still, I mean, in it, yeah, in IMDb world, that's not bad. It's yeah, not, not bad. Great. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, people like, I mean, it's a, it's a, reoccurring theme across all of these sites that people are kind of like well if you really think about it or you know you couldn't make this movie today but Mm -hmm. at the time yada yada yeah uh, um i'm great inflating for just the general atmosphere of complete and utter racism (laughs) and idiocy so it's just like yeah 
I round you it round up. It up. Sure. Yeah. You round it up. You, you grade <laughs> it on a curve, yeah. KT. Uh, what about Rotten Tomatoes? This is the critics out of 100%. Oh, Karen, the critic, like, like, like in, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to say it's like, I'm yeah. going to say it's a B minus probably. So like in the upper 70s, like, or like, like 80 upper okay. 70s, just because like, if it's, you know, an overall tally, right. Um, from critical okay. reception over the course of time. Uh, one turn. I, I'm going to say 18. Okay. Okay, I'm going in the middle. I'm going to say 35. 13%. God damn. Critics, uh, we're not, not going well, for great. it. That's great. That's good to they, know. Good to know. Across the, yeah, across the board, I think more so, Ooh. I mean, when you see it, like, they they know it on the blackface, but more than anything else, they were just like, this isn't, it's not funny. Mm. Uh, the premise is kind of <laughs> oh, it sucks. even at the time. And, uh yeah, I mean, it was again less about the racial elements of it and more just like this is an improbable. I can withstand movie. the racism, but it ain't. I yeah. haven't laughed in ten minutes. <laughs> what's what's the what's the community line? I can I can take racism, but uh... okay. And see, I was like, I thought <laughs> it's that like this, animal cruelty. I thought or something. that this had like the Metacritic data from like the eighties in it too or whatever, but I guess it's more recent. I think there's okay. some of that as what well. What they do is like a positive yeah. review there's is like a hundred like... and then a negative review is like a 50. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good to know. Cause I was looking yeah. like they just, um, and then of course our absolute favorite amazon.com out of five stars. <laughs> Karen, what do you think? Oh, I mean, <laughs> on like, they wild yeah, over there. It's the wild west out there. It's the wild yeah, west. I know. I will say two stars on Amazon. Two stars on Amazon. Winter. I'm gonna say four and a half. Cameron, yeah, I'm about to go with winter. I'm about to go with that four, four and a half. Four and a half out of That's five right. stars. What the seventy three percent? I am so terrible. Five at stars. No, no, no. You you did great on the other ones. <laughs> Yeah, you actually, you actually no, had foresight because, in the other ones. Yes. Amazon is the wild fucking west. People are just like the no. movie played. It the was wild a good movie. West. Four and a half stars. <laughs> like that's wow. They that's also it. like the world uh, over. That's like a global audience, yeah. right? So it's also like this is out of it's like people who like have a really different relationship or understanding of race in America. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, movie make me laugh. You know. Yeah, <laughs> movie. This is out of eight hundred and eighty-seven reviews. Wow, um, one hundred eighty-seven people bothered. Oh, oh no, no, eight hundred and eighty-seven. Eight hundred eighty-seven. Wow, <laughs> that's yeah. still a large sample size for me. That's I'm sorry, too many people. It's, yeah, uh, many people I, said movie yes. Makes me laugh. Yeah, I unfortunately all Russian bots. <laughs> I'm a hope. I really so. should have. Hope so. I really should have exhausted all of my uh, outlets before I paid two ninety nine to watch this movie because you can watch it for free on YouTube. Somebody just yes. uploaded the whole it, thing. Yeah, I was going to tell you that. Thank God that I did yeah. not. I, so I would have been mad if I had. Yeah, I would have been mad. First of all, as a woman who shops online, I'm looking for free yeah. first. <laughs> okay, so that's my default is free discount, then then full you know, price. Ultimately paid. <laughs> yeah. I like oh, that. Nice. I like I, that's I, my that's my shopping. I need to be doing yeah. that. I need to be doing that. I need to be uh 
Get yes. on my discount. You got to step your game up, Cam. You got to get paying full in low price for and then go back to like the stock market. Garbage. No, <laughs> not giving him three ninety nine. Be minor Carol Black, <laughs> so you can get your res- residual check and talk about it on TikTok. Uh, yeah, this is this is where I'm like oh, man. the old the old Gen Xer who's just like. Where do I find a movie? And like, and then like, I proud of myself for not paying for the HD version of it and paying a dollar yeah. less. Shout out! Yes, yes, that's right. Look, Karen, I did the same thing. I, I said, "What's the least amount of money I can give you?" Yeah. Um. Well, let's let's wrap up here by putting this movie on our Caucasity ranking scale. Yeah. We've got three levels of Caucasity. The first level is shorts in the winter, and that's basically like, okay, this movie isn't harming me right like it's a curious decision it is 20 degrees outside you've got on tommy bahamas you're hanging out you're walking around but like why in the quad at the <laughs> university of minnesota <laughs> yes yes why why are you doing this it's is it to impress me it's not working in this movie yeah like what what is the what is the point of it uh but again no harm is being done to me i'm just very curious as to why you made that decision uh cam what's the second level the uh, second level of caucasity is this movie is touching my hair. So it's not <laughs> it's not bothering me from afar now. It's bothering me up close and personal now. It's bothering me. Your your skin is touching my skin, probably. You probably asked a question like, wow, you know, that hair looks pretty interesting. Uh, but your hand's already in it. You're already knuckle deep in my hair. And whoever, yeah. you know, your mama didn't teach you to reach in strangers' hairs. That's that's. That's or strange. maybe she did. Or maybe she did. <laughs> or maybe your mama wilds out just as much as your crazy ass does. Either way, it's now inflicting on, on me now. Now it's a problem with me. Might not be like, you're not, you know, drawing blood or anything like that, but there is a violence. Yeah, and we wish you would stop. Uh, and we wish you would stop. Third, all together. The third level of caucasity this week is going to be Sesame Street, or as some people online have been calling it Sundown Street. Uh, where it, <laughs> it seems as if something's in the water because there's multiple videos of Sesame uh, Place characters basically ignoring black children, uh, allegedly Fine. apparently slapping black children, <laughs> pushing black children out of the way, and, and uh, purposefully you know, this, this ignoring sparked, them. Yeah, this sparked from a single video where. Uh, one of the characters, I think it was Rosita, was high fiving kids. It's Rosita, and just like, yeah, stopped and like reached their hand back from a black child who was looking to get a high five. But then other people she posted gave her the Dikembe, no, no, no. <laughs> talked about <laughs> the... that she might as well buck headed bouncing <laughs> to these kids because there was yeah multiple videos of just multiple Sesame Place characters just not engaging with with black children. You know, some of it, some people Crazy. might say, mm, okay, all right, you know, whatever. But some of them are like, something's going on there. You can't really get away from that. Cam, you also had another one which sounded insane, and I'd like to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read too much, too many paragraphs of this article because I could not give it that much time. But it seems that a man in Texas working on that border patrol is uh, hijacking immigrants and keeping them for so kidnapping people, uh, <laughs> kidnapping immigrants and making them work on his farm for free labor, telling them that he's Biden. 
himself, Biden, the man himself, Joe mm. Biden, the man himself. What the fuck? <laughs> no, that, Cameron, in Texas, I think this is actually just called forced relocation now. Uh, so it's not <laughs> that, <laughs> technically that slavery. BPD. That is just like, that's border, well, no, not yeah. BPD, that's border, borderline personality disorder. That's just like, CB, you know, like <laughs> border patrol, you know, so. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny mm-hmm. that all the people who want to reject critical race theory or all the people who need critical race theory, like the most, <laughs> like yes. not even like the whites who are like, uh, I, I, I ran into you at Target and you were in front of me in line and now I'm yelling at you. No, people who are full kidnapping humans for the new slave forcing trade them to work for telling them to work. that they're the president and tell, <laughs> yo, so there's like two levels of insanity going on here. You know, oh, yes, and person in the person, the president, like a federal offense somehow. I think so, but he'll probably yeah. get off. Yeah, that's like a super federal offense because I know yeah. impersonating a cop is like that's that's you, bro. You're going to jail, fam. Yeah, but the president, I'm going to assume. I mean, when you fill a cop car in Grand Theft Auto, you get five. This is a smart cars. person right here. This is a smart person <laughs> paying attention to life. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, true. Though. That's that's insane. I that's insane. I think I to me the level of cop, all of these things are outstanding uh, 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 examples of the uh, caucasity. But Arnold the Cossack caucasity, but Arnold Schwarzenegger farting in a woman's face on the set of End, End of Days during a stunt. <laughs> to me, <Whoa>. like. <laughs> Farting in a lesbian space, by the way, like 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 an an elder an elderly lesbian at that is just. I I I assume that that amusement park characters are racist. I assume what occurred on the border is happening because what else? It's Texas. You could not shock me more. But Arnold Schwarzenegger farting in a senior citizen lesbian iconic actress's face during a stunt scene and not saying excuse me <laughs> it is so fucking Who's the victim wild. here? Who's the victim? I just saw it in somebody's stories. Like this is like her name is let me say her name. Cut out the part where I don't know yeah, her yeah. name because I don't want to oh, just no, good, call yeah. her an icon and then be like, <laughs> I know what her name is. I'm just like still thinking about what that smart felt smelled yeah. like on a protein only diet. Miriam Margulies. Uh, it's no bowel move. Yeah, Miriam Margulies. She was and in Harry Potter. No bowel movement in a day. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he farted in her face. And, you know, she, I just feel like that's, that is a level of caucasity. You saying he was trying to take one back for white men all over the world? (laughs) It's just his, if you've ever seen Pumping Iron, his general approach to masculinity is unparalleled. (laughs) And it's, it's a white masculinity at that, which is why I think it's, sorry, keep your here. No, uh, we just have to remember that the dude like comes from a Holocaust denying family in Austria, like yeah. you know, post World yeah. War II. So it's like, <laughs> so why is he? Why is he? And he's farting in a Jewish lesbian elderly face, and then on set, <laughs> and I just feel like the the fact that I don't think it's 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 a, I don't think that him not ultimate. I don't think him not standing up for Chris. Chris Bratt in public or ignoring the stupid shit he says is 
an accident. Oh, yeah. I truly oh, yeah. Uh-huh. think. Yeah, 100%. I don't, I, I, I don't think that he is for it. I don't think he's against it. But I also think he doesn't want to be around it mm-hmm. to an extent because it just is one of those things where it's he's trying vibes. to move past it because he it's bad vibes and he got a Latino son <laughs> who he does right now. Well, so you that's know? the level of capacity he that does we're right. talking about over yeah. Oh, for sure. Atone, we're talking about atonement. <laughs> we're talking about atonement. Well, with all of that on the you table know? here, where do you think Soul Man lands on the Caucasity ranking system? Uh, Karen, do you want to? Off the oh. Richter. Off the- <laughs> no, no, that's why she proposed the Arnold face fart because the, the that, is, that is on a different le- that's a different scale altogether yeah a white man farting in your face not saying sorry <laughs> knowing that your whole ancestral lineage was murdered you by just some feel like your that. ancestors behind you like you you gonna let them do that you gonna let them do that to you yeah huh? <laughs> you gonna you, you gonna, gonna let, let this white man, man fart just in fart your face? in your face how dare you and my dad would have chopped his you. head off that I can't even return off. to the original scale after that. I mean, truth be told, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I will say, I'm shame on you, Sesame Place, because Sesame Street was uh, created to have a very different ethos, shame. and I'm just like, right, given that you know, I'm not sure which Sesame Place this was, San Diego or the one in Pennsylvania. Philly, oh, Philly. 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 Fox Easily, County, this is like the okay. outskirts of well, of it's believable in both places, honestly. Yeah, okay, um, you know. but yeah, yeah, you know, but yeah, but I'll say, you know, uh, again, I just can't even go back to the scale. But I think, you know, I am with my my partner in crime here. It is Arnold Fart, Caucasity. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Cam, where where are you putting it? It's a hey man. It's a Arnold face fart. It's a Texas uh, New World slavery. It's yeah. it, it's all it's set, it's Sundown Place, Sundown Street. It's all that. Yeah. It's it it really because what what's the big problem here is that everyone, including the actors on set, including the characters in the film, including the people who made the movie, are thinking that it's so okay, or either actually being blind to like full buffoonery <laughs> like mm-hmm. full human buffoonery uh, racist or not like you look at that man and you was like oh yeah that man eats oxtail sometimes no no how dare you <laughs> lie don't lie to me don't, you can't don't. tell me that you can't tell mark me did that. not own a washcloth I, I guarantee you. That Ask Mark no, about washing No washcloth in that house. No. <laughs> ask Mark how he washed his legs. Ask Mark about... Real quick. Ask Mark about shea butter and see what he says. Ask Mark to do this. <laughs> ask Mark to do the electric slide right there in front of your face. <laughs> and, and, and see what um, your answer is. Because, like, how dare you yeah. look at him and say to yourself, like, like are you... Are there any white people in the audience who are like, he looked pretty black to me. I mean, like I would have, I would have fell for it. Yeah. What? Is that a different actor? This is- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is called Cat. There were. This is <laughs> this is yeah. caucastic in a whole new. I thought White Man's Burden was actually the worst we could have did, which is so fun. Was, I really thought it was like this is this is like yeah we had reached the peak like early. One and two. What did I do? <laughs> What did I do? Wait, 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 what's what's the line where John Travolta is like outside the car and he's he's talking about like, oh man, how you going? How you 
are you going to do us? How you going? How you going to do that? <laughs> how, and, he, and he does the real. How you going? Like, like he yeah. like he studied. Oh man! Like he went back. How you going? How you going? <clears throat> how you going? How you going? But he had a dialect coach for sure. You and you know they both <laughs> thought they were doing the work. They both shook hands oh, at yeah. the end of each lesson and were like, "Great job, each other." His dialect coach was Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> like, yeah, his dialect coach was the three months he previously spent with Samuel Jackson in a car. He was like, "Uh huh, yeah." He was like, "No, don't come with, don't send your shooters for." That's a real dude out there. Yeah, I'll just let the 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 great Reverend Doctor speak for me and just say. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated. Eloquently, that they don't have no sense. <laughs> it's too true, though. It's too true, and it proves yeah. they prove themselves every <laughs> fucking time. Like, and yeah. we have to watch. We There's... have to be subject to bullshit like this. Yep. I mean, we chose this life, so I guess we're here now. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't escape it. But uh, we we have now. to think. We have to thank uh, Karen and Winter so much for not only subjecting themselves to this movie again, uh, but but spending the time to break it down with us. Uh, Thank you guys so much. This has been wonderful. Yeah, thanks for Um, being here. (laughs) Yeah, tell everybody where they can find you um, and what they should be looking out for. Well, to find our pod, go to w2xpodcast.com and you'll get the links to our Twitter, our Patreon, our Instagram. That's the letter W, the number two X podcast.com and you can find me as you know i alluded to earlier at inland emperor on twitter and at tongsonator on instagram because i was not very you know thoughtful about having all the socials have the same handle so so that's it um that's how you can find me and you can find my writing etc and my books and all of that stuff on karentongson.org I just want people to follow me on Twitter. That's all I care about. Uh, I obviously our podcast, listen to waiting and exhale. I would love if you can throw us a listen and you can follow me at winter Mitchell, W Y N T E R M I T C H E L. Cam, what you got going on? Uh, Hey man, if you see me in Brooklyn, you know, slap five unless you got monkey pox then stay away <laughs> um <laughs> why is that a thing i'm saying in 2022 i don't know um no you can catch my sketch comedy group on youtube to karen with love um there's some stuff there <laughs> hoping to maybe have some stuff there this year um you can find me on twitter and instagram at the blipster 1138 for uh my hot takes on movies that jordan makes me watch and uh yeah, yeah hoping to make some we'll talk about good stuff we'll talk about we'll oh, talk about nope so we swear we we'll swear we're going to talk about nope yeah we're, go- we're definitely going to yeah. talk about nope so there's good stuff coming uh but in the meanwhile hang out with us on the pod yeah <laughs> for sure and i'm jordan clark you can find me on twitter and instagram at jrsosa18 jrsosa18 Comic stuff coming. Samurai Sonya in stores now. Um, Red Sonya one shot coming in August. Um, more comic stuff as as I can announce it. <laughs> if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at white underscore pod. We'll be posting a bunch of stuff for this movie, including just, just <laughs> look at all the pictures of C. Thomas Howell. It's a and rich tell text. me that that's not a wild, <laughs> wild, specifically the watermelon picture. Like that's just that's insane. 
Um, putting it on camera. I'm not sure I can even. I'm not sure I can even retweet that when you share it. (laughs) They they, they saw they saw dailies of that and said yes. Yes, (laughs) this is what we want to put out into the world. Uh, That was a worthwhile. That was a worthwhile down set. Oh my god! Print it. Um, If you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at white people won't save you pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your reactions to this movie. Uh, any suggestions you might have for future films? Caucasity out there on the world. Always here for it. Um, as always, do us a favor if you can, if you're so kind. Rate, v- review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and we'll be back next week with more Caucasity. Peace. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.